All right. Welcome to the Lions Guide podcast, where we take on topics in performance and personal growth by exploring the success stories of our guests and the lessons they've learned. I interview subject matter experts on topics of performance and growth, and I also review books and other resources that will help us all establish clarity, build courage, and lead. I'm your host, Dale Walls, founder of the Lions Guide. And on this episode, I've got Phil Sussman. And Phil, before joining the Army, was a photojournalist and Army contractor. He joined the Army as a scout platoon leader and later held positions as an executive officer and operations officer before attending Special Operations Civil Affairs Selection. Phil deployed as a Civil Affairs Team Leader and Operations Chief before his medical retirement earlier this year. Phil has helped many discover healthy and mindful ways of living as a yoga teacher through his company, American Yogi. And on this episode, Phil and I talk about his time as a combat photographer, uh, his military career that followed, (laughs) breaking his back, yoga, meditation, and much more. So uh, before we get started, hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss any of our other great guests and content. Uh, as always, this podcast is sponsored by Lions Guide. So if you've been tuning in and getting value from the show, then do yourself a favor and go out to lionsguide.com and join our member community, The Pride. For no cost to you, it's free. You get access to all kinds of free exclusive content to include yet to be released episodes of the podcast. I've got reading lists out there. Uh, we do live uh, virtual training events through the free membership. Um, I've got prov- uh, private online community groups to engage with other growth-minded members and a whole lot more. So again, Join the Pride's free, and I'm developing it all to help you break through out of your rut and break through to that next higher, best version of yourself by establishing clarity, building up your courage and confidence, and being the true leader of your life. So go out there, check it out now. Go to lionsguide.com and join today. And with that all said, let's start the show. On today's podcast, we got Phil Sussman, American Yogi himself, and now retired Army Captain. Phil, how you doing today? Hey, brother. Doing well, man. Good to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, fill us in. Who are you and what do you do? All right. Well, that's a that's a deep question there, but I will do my best. We got time. Um, Go deep with it. <laughs> so I'll, I guess I'll start where I'm at and work my way back. Um, so I recently medically retired out of the Army uh, after a, a 10-year career. I uh, spent time on both the special operations side uh, for civil affairs and on the conventional side as a scout. Uh, prior to that, I was a an army contracted photojournalist as well as a freelancer. Um, prior to that, let's see, I think I took a pretty winding road here. Um, but during all during the all these times where I was in and out of careers and in and out of different uh, jobs within the army, I, I found American Yoga or American Yogi after breaking my back. Uh, in a training accident and yoga is a thing that saved my life and that that's really all the experience that I've had you know whether it's from my my uh, you know my training in writing or training with photography or in yoga or the military or survival all kind of came together um, to help drive the mission of American yogi which is where we are now awesome awesome so take it take us back like how did where did you grow up at what's, what's the background story as far as where you grew up how you end up in the army yeah, so I'm a I'm a Florida boy actually. So spent uh, first half of my life down there, and then went off to school up in Boston and worked out in Washington. Um, kind of crisscrossed around the country quite a bit. Um, I think we were at let's see, we were at Benning, out of Carson, and I finished up at Bragg. So bounced around quite a bit, and we're we're heading back to to kind of base operations for American Yogi down in Florida. 
Really? So what, um, what, what made you join the army? Uh, I think it was something that I'd always wanted to do. Uh, I don't think it was ever really a question for me. It was more a matter of when, you know, you know, when I was growing up though, the, you know, the drive, my family was, you know, you can, you can make the decisions that, that you'd like to make, you know, once, once you get your degree and, you know, that way, if you decide that you want to do something without it, you do something without it. But if you find you need it, you have it. So for me, uh, the focus of my family was to, was to go to college. Um, but in the back of my head, I always wanted to be in the army. Um, so, you know, when I was, uh, in college, I, I found photojournalism, went overseas, ended up covering a little bit of war in the Middle East, um, really as a, as a college student still. Came home, decided that's what I wanted to do uh, for my life, and started taking photos, you know, for uh, wire services and newspapers, and getting my game up, and uh, tried to try to get in with Army Times. It didn't necessarily work out. Then started working for the Army as a contractor, and then finally started to be where I wanted to be. And I realized after all that time that what I really wanted to do was to to be the one on the other side of the camera, the one actually, you know, helping you know, uh, orchestrate or curate history rather than being the one that's, that's recording it. Um, so that it was a pretty easy choice for me at that point. Uh, left my job up at Fort Lewis, um, and then moved back to Florida, found a commissioning program and, and joined. Wow. So what kind of tours did you do with the photojournalism? Like what, what, where were you at? What were you what were you shooting? So I was only overseas once as a photojournalist. I, I worked for a small photo agency in Jerusalem, uh, actually, and spent a lot of time around Gaza and inside the West Bank. And um, then when when they went to war with Hezbollah up north uh, in southern Lebanon, northern Israel, um, we just popped in a car and, and drove and covered it. But that was the one time the the I got invited a, a second and third time to Iraq and Afghanistan, but... Uh, really because of my job, where I was and my responsibilities, I wasn't able to, to go as a photojournalist. And that's, that was also kind of what pushed me to, to join the army is, you know, I wanted to be overseas. I wanted to be doing things that I felt that I felt mattered and I felt that were you know, important. And I didn't feel I was going to do it you know, where I was doing what I was doing. Right. And, and how did, how was that? So were you in some intense environments? You know, obviously they're, they're going to war with Hezbollah. Were, as a photographer, were you in some, like when you say this, I kind of oh, yeah. imagine what you see on the news and obviously like, so were you in the thick of it even as a photographer and how were you protected? Yeah. So I, I was, a, I was an idiot. I was an 18 year old kid, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe 19 or 20. I was pretty young either way. I didn't, I didn't really know what I was doing. And, um, it, it sort of came down. We were we were outside of Gaza one day, and you know the the Israeli army was building up. Uh, I think they had like dozens and dozens and dozens of tanks and infantry out there, and um, we're getting ready for them to watch them uh, breach into Gaza. And as we're there, because there was a there was a soldier that was kidnapped, and as we were there covering that story, it was just me and another photojournalist. Um, we heard that there was an attack up north. And that's when the soldiers were killed and captured up at the border. So we went back into Jerusalem and uh, we talked and realized we needed to get, you know, the boss of the, of the agency realized we needed to get some guys up to cover the war or what was starting to develop. And then uh, a couple of days later, I was, I was up north with, uh, with two different photographers that had agreed to take me along with them. And I had no body armor. I had no helmet, no weapon, no nothing. Um, but we're passing by tanks and we're passing by armored personnel carriers or passing by fields that are on fire from, from, uh, Katusha rockets. And, you know, we get to the, we get to 
some of the border towns and we were just start, starting to assess damage and, and kind of better understand the situation. And all of a sudden, you know, my buddy that I was with, uh, the other photographer, uh, he had, he always kept one earpiece uh, in his ear with army radio. And he looked at me and he said, would you, do you want to go see a firefighter? I think he said a gunfight. I think he said, do you want to go to a gunfight? Um, so I said, sure. Like, that's, that's why I'm here. Let's do it. And, uh, we got in the car and we drove to the to the border and ended up being there for the first kind of ground invasion or ground operation of the of the conflict. And um, I was absolutely unprotected. I was I remember running around, um, kind of looping in and out of the border over there. And there were dudes. There's one of the guys who won a I think he won a Pulitzer uh, from that that exact day um, from one of the pictures he took when we were we were all running around that day. But he was in full body armor, and I had soldiers that were, you know, ripping us out of cars and ripping us into into different uh, shelters or structures um, because we, I mean, we were woefully unprepared. But we knew it was an important place to be, and we knew it was an important thing to do. So um, we we just went, we stuck it out. You know, first time I was in West Bank, it was the same way. I, I wanted to go um, cover. Uh, they had like a weekly protest there against the wall that the Israelis were building around around the West Bank as a reaction to uh, suicide bombings from years before and attacks from years before. And the first time I went there, I get, we get to this protest site and there's like, you know, a couple hundred Palestinians that are walking up this hill to, to encounter these, these Israeli police. And I see all the photographers putting on, you know, bulletproof vests and putting on helmets and gas masks. And I'm looking around like, does anybody have one for me? And nobody did. Cause I was just this American kid that came along to, to try to get some, some experience and um, before I knew it, I was in the middle of I was in the middle of it, um, and it ended okay. I got a little roughed up, but uh, yeah, that was just sort of my experience in Israel. I was just running around, gaining as much experience in as many dangerous places as I could. When you know, and I, I I've not been over there, but I I only know what I've seen on TV, and obviously can't believe anything you see on TV. But like, what was the I, what was the pucker factor, right? Like, because because what when is this? What what time frame are we talking? Like two thousand this was, was two thousand six, right? Yeah, so, so I was twenty one actually. Yeah, it's two thousand six. So we're seeing like on TV these, you know, like how did you feel as an American, right? Or was there a fear of being like captured as an American over there by some of the Hezbollah or anything like that? Um, Cause that, that always seemed, struck out to me, like an American being over there, just being a, a target. Yeah. No, that was, a, I mean, that was a huge, huge concern for us. You know, it was something that I'd started to deal with as soon as I got there. Um, I went to the West bank a few times, got to go to the presidential palace there and, um, you know, it's all Palestinian security dudes dressing all black with AKs, you know, walking around our car. You know, I was told not to uh, speak any English, not to speak any Hebrew. No, I mean, I didn't even know any Hebrew or Arabic really at that point. Um, they gave me a name. They said, your name is Khalil. And if anybody talks to you, you can just tell them that. Otherwise, just keep your mouth shut. So that that kind of was my introduction to to the world of, of I guess, worry about being captured. You know, I'd, I'd be attending funerals for... Um, for settlers that were killed, you know, the days before, and then I'd be in those same places taking pictures. And then when we went up to the border for the war, you know, I've got a video, I think somewhere of the photographer that I was with laughing about how they were kidnapping journalists up in the towns where we were. Um, but it just sort of, was one of those things we laughed at. It was, you know, anybody that's been in the military knows that the, the only way to get through tough situations is just dark humor. And, and that was kind of my first introduction, just laughing it off. Yeah, maybe it's um, it, it's I, I I'm glad you said that because I, I kind of laugh at things sometimes and and when I listen back to myself 
that's that, right? I'm kind of like, you got to smile at, at these things that oh, life throws at you, man. Um, I was thinking about this morning, I was listening to a different podcast I recorded. I'm like, dude, why are you laughing at that? Like, that's a serious thing, but, <laughs> but, but it's, it's that Ideal. exactly what you, what you said. I just like, man, sometimes you just got to laugh, you know, square yeah, up I mean, to it and laugh at it. Like we'll bring and it I up, had, you know? Yeah, you're exactly right. Like the, the funny thing that I think about it, that I guess I've never really thought about it this way is in the military, you know, you've got dudes that show you how to show you how to act in those situations, mm-hmm. like show you, you know, this, this is the way you deal with X, Y, or Z. And when I was in Israel, like I, I didn't have anyone to, to, to learn from when it came to that. I just, I was just running on raw emotion and, you know, when it was time to be scared shitless, I was scared shitless, um, you know, face buried in the dirt, rockets falling around me. And then there were times when we would, we'd be sitting there and the, the air siren would go off and we'd look at each other and laugh because if a rocket hit, you know, there'd be 10, 15 people dead right where we were. Yeah. So it just, yeah, I think that's just our natural reaction. You can't, it's tough to be in that phase of, of, I mean, even when you're joking about it, it doesn't mean you're not scared. Sure. You, yeah. You can't live in that state, you know? Right. Right. You, yes, exactly. The, um, so basically you were instructed just to blend in, right? Just don't bring attention to yourself as an American. Is that kind of how I understand it? Yeah. When, when I was in like the Palestinian territories, sure. yeah, they just, I mean, less blend in more, just be, just be a, an American that stands out as American. So people don't mess with you. I still got rocks thrown at me. I got yelled at and screamed at and pushed and like, all, all those things happen. Um, but overwhelmingly, just because I looked very Western, I looked very, I, I used to always wear around a baseball hat mm. and a pair of Pumas. And like that was like my uniform for I'm an American journalist, and and that mostly kept me safe. Um, at the war, you know, when the war was going on, nobody really cared uh, because everyone was just more concerned with staying alive and and fighting than they were the the guys that are running around with cameras like idiots, you know. Sure, sure. No, um, so so it wasn't so much hide the fact that you're American. It was don't insult them by trying to speak their language or or anything like that. Yeah, they. I mean. When I was in the Palestinian territories, um, like obviously as a, I mean, I'm an American, but if they think you're Israeli at the time that I was there, it was, it was a dangerous time, Uh, um, to be rolling around uh, Palestinian territories. So that, that was, um, I'd say that's more so for that situation, but for the war, it it was kind of all bets were off. It's just, if it's, if it's your time, it's your time. If something's going to happen, it's going to happen. Otherwise just, you know, keep doing your job. So that's, that's what we do. You know, we, we would sleep wherever we could find uh, shelter at night. The The whole north was evacuated. So we were, you know, staying in abandoned apartments and kibbutzim and houses and hotels that nobody was using and just being us, you yeah. know, being a, it was an Israeli and me, an American, just rolling around with a couple cameras. Wow. How, now, how long were you over there for that? So that wasn't too long, actually. I was, I was only there for a few months, um, but the war itself was only about 34 days, I think. It was a pretty short one. Now, but that, it was nonstop. So, so you're doing this. I, I can't help but think about your family because you mentioned your family earlier, right? You're, that what they wanted you to go to college. You know, was there any you know um, elder family members that were maybe like in the military or deployed? I know you weren't in the military yet, but what was the family's your family's reaction to you picking up a camera and going in the middle of uh, you know, uh, this, this was as far from what they wanted for me as, uh, as possible. And as far from anything like in my family that, that any of us had done before, you know, my, my grandfathers had both served, uh, they were in the Navy during world war two. Um, that was the only military, um, that I had in my family. And, 
yeah, there wasn't really there wasn't really much in the way of of recklessness until until I came along with my camera. Um, and then I would I would have to send pictures of me in like really safe places and have really calm phone calls with, with my family while I was over so they wouldn't be worried. And then when I got back, that's when I told them. Um, I think they figured it out when they started seeing the the pictures in in the newspaper and started seeing them, you know, streaming online. That's when when they realized, okay, he's 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 in the middle of it now. And what was their reaction to that? Um, I think they they were really uh, they were scared for me, but they also knew that there was there was nothing they could do that was going to sway me one way or the other. You know, I'm, I'm very very hard headed, so when it comes to something I want to do, I'm I'm going to do it one way or the other. And uh, they understood that, and they knew this was something that I had to do for myself. And you know, really, it, it set off this chain reaction in my life where I just kept chasing this. Right. Yeah. No, that's awesome. The um, so from there, you you wanted to get on the other side of the camera. You enlisted or you didn't you joined the army and so you had your degree at this point so you joined as an officer yeah so i did a i guess i got a second degree i joined um the, it was a post back program at, at university of south florida so since i already had a degree they counted half of my degree and then instead of waiting for ocs for a couple of years i decided to just get another bachelor's so i, I did a two-year rotc program and then joined. oh wow cool so uh what was your first job in the army my first job was a scout platoon leader at Fort Carson, Colorado. I was a I was a heavy uh, platoon leader, so we had Bradleys and, and Humvees. And what was the? Did you deploy? You, did you deploy throughout your career, or how did how the rest of your? So most of my deployments were were on the the soft. I guess I was two and one, so I had two two deployments in soft CA and and one deployment which was an area security mission uh, as a platoon leader, all as a troop XO. Um, yeah, so it's, it's funny cause I, I used to joke around with my soldiers, my NCOs are like all the, all the combat or, you know, most of the, the, the worst situations I ever been in were, were actually before I joined the army. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, so what were some of your biggest, uh, takeaways from your service? Oof, that's a, that's a loaded question right there. Um, I think, I, I think more than anything else, I'd say if, if I had to take one thing away from it was. You know, when I was younger, you know, all I wanted to do, you know, especially since 9-11 was pivotal, pivotal in my life. Um, you know, as soon as 9-11 came around, I realized that there was this, this greater world out there that, you know, this life that I thought was generally pretty low key was, was actually just this big powder keg. And, and I wanted to be part of it. So I just spent years just constantly, you know, watching news and reading books and talking to people and trying my best to get overseas and traveling as much as I could because I just wanted to be out. I just wanted to be experiencing and living and, you know, being on the forefront of history and uh, being in these dangerous situations that challenged me as a man and challenged me as a human. Um, so that's always what I wanted. And then, you know, having experienced those situations and, and gone through, a, you know, a decade of service that was pretty challenging um, at a lot of times um, that definitely set me on a course where if I didn't find healing, I, I'd be in a pretty rough place. Um, but I think more than anything else, you know, from all of that, what I realized that what's most important to me is, is relationships and connections. You know, the, the people around me, my family, my kids, you know, it's not, it's not this war that's thousands of miles away where I find my value. It's, it's in my, you know, my three daughters, you know, my wife. Right. Right. No, absolutely. Friends, you know. Yeah. The, um, that's probably one of the biggest lessons I'd say. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I, I think that's a realization 
people come to you with, with maturity once they stop chasing things. Right. And, um, yeah. they start to realize, you know, um, you know, the, the value, like you say, of the relationships around them, finding good relationships, healthy relationships, uh, growth based relationships, things like that. The, yeah. Now, there was this, the, the first person to ever, uh, through hike the Appalachian trail, I always love this quote. Um, he said, they asked him why he, why he did it. So he came back from world war two, um, and ended up through hiking it and they asked him why he did it. And he said, well, I wanted to walk, walk the army off. And I just, I just get that now. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you're done chasing, you're ready to just to walk and breathe, you know, and let it go. Now a hundred percent. So, so you mentioned earlier, so you, you're, you broke your back. Is that what got you um, into yoga? Yeah, that's absolutely what got me into yoga. It changed the course of my life was, uh, was breaking my back. Um, I was in a in an armored vehicle. Uh, we were just proofing a range in uh, Fort Carson, and I was standing up on the on the the TC seat. So the the, the uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think what TC stands for right now. To break, it's like truck truck controller. It's been a while. Either way, I was standing standing on the uh, the TC seat of the truck, and I had my feet on the edge of the seat on the very tip top, and I was trying to see a target off in the distance, and my feet slipped. And I crunched my back. My feet went up in the air, crunched my back on the metal seat and instantly fractured L2, L3 vertebrae. And I was laid out on the, the floor of that striker. And I laid there for about 20 minutes and then finally got up, finished proofing the range for another couple hours, took a nice, long, bouncy uh, ride back to the contaminant area on post for another couple hours. Finally went to the hospital. Um, they diagnosed it shoved me full of pain meds, sent me on my way. And I spent a solid, I guess, week or two on the couch, not moving, couldn't even sit up or anything. Um, and then, you know, my wife just catering to me or catering for me. And then I was supposed to go to um, civil affairs assessment and selection two weeks later. So I had to push that off and I, I swapped with a buddy. So I went in like three months and I went from not able to move in the slightest to had a, 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 you know, a walker and then a cane and eventually I was walking again. And I started doing physical therapy and the, the physical therapist, um, you know, we started to make progress with me and I asked him, I said, look, I'm supposed to go to selection here in, in a couple months. Like, am I okay to start training? And he said, as long as you can take the pain then go for it. So, so that's what I did. And I, and I started pushing forward full steam and, Got my training back and went to selection, came home absolutely wrecked. And, you know, my wife looked at me and she said, you, you, need, to, you need to do something. You know, I was in, I was in a really bad place. I had lost a, a very, very close friend um, just a couple months before that. And I was with him when he died. And uh, I'd also lost another NCO who I, I felt very responsible for. Um, so I was in a rough place mentally and physically. And, are, the, are these you know, like wife, uh, training losses or? Yeah, one, well, one was... Uh, Buddy got out of the army. Um, I had one of my best buddies, and shortly afterwards, he got in a motorcycle accident, and he was in the uh, he was in the hospital bed for twenty four hours, brain dead, and and I was with him for that with uh, with you know, our NCOs, and then the other one that was a, a training accident as well. So I was the lead planner on it though, and you know it was a nighttime, it was a night maneuver, and there was very little to be done. It just it, just sort of poor circumstances and, you know, rock came out of somewhere where they, they couldn't see it from, from their hatch. And, and that was it. And then I was on the recovery team for that. So, you know, I was very mentally and, and physically, I was pretty banged up. 
And so my wife pushed me to yoga. And the first time I went, I felt pretty awkward. And the second time, I still felt kind of awkward. And But I kept going because there was something about it that, that allowed me to, to actually be present with all the stuff that I was trying to – that I wasn't really dealing with, that I was really just trying to push down. Um, but yoga allowed me to to really access that. So I was going to yoga. I was I was meditating quite a bit. I would I would go to meditation groups. I meditate on my own, and the combination of the two like set me on this path of of healing, you know, in ways that you know I I had never thought were possible when I was in the deepest depths of my you know depression and you know physical pain. So I stuck with it, and you know the deeper that my practice became, the the more healthy I became mentally and physically, and then I just wanted to spread it to the masses and that's kind of where we are now. So how was it serving you physically, right? So pre, I guess, tell me a little bit about like you pre yoga, you know, your, your physical state versus like where yoga took you to maybe where you're, because one, I'm hearing you say like you broke vertebrae in your back and they gave you, you know, gave you pain meds and sent you home. Like, was there nothing yeah. else to do? You know, was that it? Yeah, that was, that was it. Um, you know, they said the way that it that it broke, the, they were very, very clean fractures, you know, transverse, so straight across both vertebrae. Um, they said the way that it broke, that the best course of action was not to do surgery, um, was just to just to let it heal. So there was nothing to be done other than just stay off it and then and then slowly rehab it. Um, you know, prior to breaking my back, you know, I was. I was great. I was lifted heavy. I was running fast. You know, I was doing all the things that 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 uh, you know combat arms folks like to do. We like to be big and strong and and mean. And I was doing all those things. And then I broke my back, and I realized that that I wasn't you know invincible, and I, I actually had to pay attention to you know my body and my mind and the way I trained. So I went from someone that you know could throw lots of weight on a bar and throw bars and, and dumbbells around and somebody that could, that could sprint with the best of them and run, you know, run the guys through some brutal PT to somebody that, that needed three guys to lift them off the, off the ground after a long ruck or, um, you know, that somebody that couldn't sleep through the night cause I, I'm constantly waking up in pain. Uh, but, but I, what I found was that I had to, I had to do a couple things, you know, one was, you know, change my idea of what, what being healthy and working out meant to me. You know, in the past, the idea of, of being fit is was being big, was being like big and muscular. But, you know, now these years later of dealing with these just persistent chronic injury, you know, chronic pain and injuries, uh, what I've realized to me is that, that being fit, being healthy is is just looks totally different. Like I'm not, it, it's not about being absolutely yoked right now for me. It's about feeling good in my body and making sure that I'm doing things that help my mobility and help me decrease pain and, but also still help me feel strong, you know? So instead of maybe throwing 300 pounds on, on a, on a bench, you know, I'll, you know, I'll throw my body weight on there, you know, or just above the body weight. And, and that's a couple of times a week enough to keep the tendonitis on my shoulder kind of at bay and, um, keep me feeling, feeling strong. But it, Yoga is the is to me is the ultimate kind of fusion between what we need for our bodies and what we need for our minds together. Yeah, no, the um, well, I think someone had told me that I don't know if you had heard this or know this to be true too, like that yoga came about by way of folks trying to meditate longer, right? They were they were doing yoga, so yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, it was. It really they they would start with yoga so they could meditate for hours and hours on end. So like to me, 
you know, yoga sort of for me starts, or there's, there's eight limbs of yoga and one of those limbs is asana, so the physical practice. So the rest of yoga is, is I mean, I could, I, we could go through a whole class on it, but I'll, suffice it to say that, you know, involves concentration and, you know, meditation and cleanliness and all these things. And so where, you know, someone may look at the physical practice of yoga being the start and finish of it, you know, for me, the practice really starts when I can finally let go, you know, after the physical practice is over and I can either lay there or sit there and be at peace and, and find some, some nice cleansing breath that fills me up from head to toe. Like those are, that's the yoga. You know, that's, that's the part that, that, that really, um, defines the practice for me. Yeah. I mean, I, and I guess that's worth exploring, right? Because I like, like I told you in the green room, I'm, I'm coming to this conversation. Like I do, I do what yellow Peloton tells me is yoga, right? Cause I, you know, when COVID yeah. hit, I, I had never done yoga before, but I do jujitsu and I knew like I needed to increase my mobility. Like I can't touch my toes. I couldn't, you know, I just knew I wasn't stretching. Yeah. I, I knew, I, I knew, I, did, I work out to improve my jujitsu now. That's my focus. Like I used to run marathons and stuff like that, but now I'm kind of like, you know, since getting bit by that bug, everything I do physically, as far as my exercise, like how is it going to contribute? And mobility is, is, is a big thing. So when COVID yeah. hit, I was like, okay, let me work some of this yoga in. I got it on the app, I'm not going anywhere. So I started working it, but that's all I know. So when you say like there's eight limbs of yoga and not that, that we need to go through the whole class, but what do you mean? Like there's, so there's more to yoga than just downward dogs. What you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what I'll also say too, is that there's, there, there's all different, you could be practicing the same type of yoga. So like, let's say for example, you go to a vinyasa yoga teacher. So we be doing like, they call it flows. Um, it's, it's a sequence that you do that you'll continue to do throughout class. It involves kind of like a half push up position, you know, pushing up into like a, they call it Cobra or like up dog. It stretches out your upper body, your upper body. Um, you could go to two teachers that were trained by the exact same teacher, the same instructor, and they're given two totally, you know, as far as the details of the class, if you read it online, the details of the class would be the same. But you could walk into both of those classes and have completely um, separate, like separate experiences. Like they could be 180 from each other. You know, one could could be very slow and you know methodical and gentle, and the other one could be like really hard and fast and loud music. And so, even within the same discipline, the same types of yoga, you're going to find totally different types of classes, totally different types of teachers. You know, like like for me, when I you know as a teacher. I spend weeks and weeks and weeks on my playlists. And then, you know, when I'm in class, I give people a lot of, I call them Dharma talks or, you know, soul talks, or I, I, I like to give a piece of, of, you know, my own self-work to my class at the same time where it's hotter than hell in there, um, which is different than, than the class they might take an hour before uh, I get in the room. So, but then if, if you want to expand it even more into the eight limbs of yoga, so you've got like the yamas and the niyamas. So like kind of your, your restraints or your disciplines and then your, your duties and observances. Uh, then you have the asana, which is, you know, your postures and the movement, uh, pranayama, breathing techniques. Um, there's other ones like withdrawal and concentration and meditation and enlightenment. You know, they're all, they all play into the larger sense of yoga. So what's, I, I guess a, an important distinction is to make that, you know, when, when we think of yoga in the West, we think of the movement, but really it's everything. 
Yeah, no, that, that's interesting. With regard to uh, your wife got you into it. Now, was she just a participant or was she more than that? Was she an instructor teacher too as well? Yeah, so she, yes, not an instructor. She just was a really, um, I don't know, heavy practitioner. She she enjoyed it quite a bit. She did it, you know, everywhere we lived that she was into it. And I just always res- resisted it for years. Um, and then once she pushed me into it, that's when it, I sort of took over as a yogi in the family. And then <laughs> I, I only went to yoga teacher training really because um, I wanted, A, because I wanted to understand yoga better, you know, especially, you know, being American yogi. I wanted to understand yoga um, deeply, but I didn't ever, I didn't ever really have an intention of, of teaching, but I got my certification right before I, I went to Syria last year, I guess it was a year and a half ago at this point. And I ended up teaching yoga on the roof of our team house uh, for a few months and came home and decided, well, I guess I'm a yoga teacher now and, uh, and started teaching in the studio. And that was it. Now my wife, you know, with, with the kids and with work and everything, she, she doesn't even practice that much anymore. And I, I, I try to get on the mat as much as I can. So, so physically walk me through, like, what did it do for you? Right. So like you, you were immobile, it sounds like, or at least in a lot, a lot of pain, you know, what yeah. did yoga do for you for your recovery? So I, I'd say, I would actually say I'm probably still in recovery um, you know, this many years later and that yoga is just an, a, a part of just my daily routine that just needs to happen now in order to continue to recover from, you know, the, the lingering effects from that injury, you know, for the, let's see, I think it's, it's 2021 now. So six years later, you know, I'm still dealing, dealing with, you know, nerve damage. I've got sciatica, I've got arthritis in my back, I've got a herniated, herniated disc, I've got arthritis in my neck. Um, I've got growths on my femurs. I've got tears in both my hamstrings, arthritis in my knees. Um, and that's just the, the muscle and bone part. And then inside I've got, you know, post-traumatic stress and, um, anxiety, depression, ten- uh, tendonitis in, in just about every, uh, my shoulders and my knees and I'm trying to think where else, what else I got going on. I got a lot of stuff. I'll put it that way. <laughs> and yoga, uh, allowed me to, I mean, people say mobility, like it's a, you know, like it's kind of a, uh, a buzzword, but it's true. You know, really what yoga on the outside helps me be mobile. You know, it helps me be able to go through a, a you know, a normal day that somebody without injury or somebody, you know, without, um, any sort of significant trauma on their bodies wouldn't think twice about, but you know, me with all my, with like every ailment that I have, I, I need to be very conscious about making sure that my body is getting the sort of stretching, the sort of attention that it needs in the way that it needs so that I can live really a normal functioning life to get up to that baseline. So, you know, yoga really for me, it, it just helps me stay in the fight, stay in the game and be able to lift my daughters in the morning or get out of bed without my wife having to come around the bed and, and, uh, and lift me out of it, which, which we've had plenty of times. Uh, yeah, I, I would want to relate to say that was kind of my experience too, right? Like, so doing jujitsu, it's hard on the body, you know, especially me, I, I walk around, I'm a lightweight, so I'm always the lightest dude on the mat. So I'm, I'm facing some, some monsters and, and my training partner, he's a, he outweighs me by a good bit and he's super fit and, and strong and he's a freaking brown belt. So he's got years on me. So I'm just getting mashed, you know, going to work yeah. and, and it's, it's hard on the body. And so I would have these weird injuries and I'm going to the doctors and they don't know what's wrong. And, you know, so 
I've had like the shoulder issue for a long time and the doctors couldn't tell me what was wrong. And then, so last year or whatever it was through COVID, I remember like, so I started doing the yoga and, um, one day, like it was at the, you know, one of the classes, like the dude threw this weird, you know, standing, you know, stretch. I wouldn't know what it was called if I, if I wanted to, but, um, you know, I'm kind of like standing kind of spread leg and I'm trying to reach my opposite shoulder to my opposite knee and kind of making this square and man, it, I just felt this relief in that shoulder yeah. area. And it was almost like what, what I tell myself is like, my problem was muscular. You know, I probably just, you know, uh, strained a, a muscle that kind of just seized up in my, under my shoulder blade. And, uh, and then yoga, I found the stretch that I could relieve it. And the more I did yeah. that stretch, the more the shoulder like got right and went away. And now I'm pretty much like it's, it's gone. And here I spent a, a significant amount of time, a significant amount of appointments trying to talk to doctors about what was wrong and they couldn't figure it out. And here I am, I, I just doing a freaking stupid 20 minute yoga session and boom, there, there's the solution. And I, and I, that's what really turned me on to it. And I'm like, okay, now, now this is more than mobility. Now it's, it's solving problems for me. It's, quality of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um so I I I can relate to exactly what you're saying and 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 I think you know that's that's why I enjoy it now is just kind of again it's helping me with my mobility but it's it, to your point, right? It's getting me back to that baseline cuz I know when I I don't do it that 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 whatever is going on in my shoulder or under my shoulder blade kind of oh, yeah. it starts to like seize back up, you know. So I don't I probably never know what really the true problem is. Um, I have to put it in my will and tell my wife, like, hey, when they're <laughs> when I'm dead and gone, like cut me open, tell me, figure out what's wrong with yeah, shoulder. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but you know, I, I all I know is I gotta do that yoga stretch in in, you know, and yeah. I mean, square. it's it's funny. I, I had a very similar conversation with someone a little while ago, and it was their shoulder as well. That like years and years couldn't figure out what's going on with the shoulder, like finally tried yoga, and then all of a sudden, oh shit, like it, it feels better. Um, and what I, what I always think about when I hear stories like that, and you know, a lot of us who found yoga and you, know, you could listen to this podcast or other podcasts and think, well, I'm not messed up. I don't need yoga. Like my body's not messed up, but you know, that I wish that I had started practicing yoga before my body was messed up. Um, you know, like the little prehab for the body other than using it as rehab, you know, cause everything, everything you talk to a lot of people that find yoga and, you know, a lot of times it'll come from a place of, well, my body was starting to break down or I, you know, was recovering from this injury or I was just in a really hard place mentally. And you know, yoga brings people back up and can bring people back up, I should say. But if I had started it even earlier, you know, maybe, or say, let's say, for example, with your shoulder, like say you started it earlier, maybe that problem never would have developed, mm -hmm, in, mm -hmm. you know, while you're rolling. Right. If you, right. if you had been doing it for years, you know. That's something I think about. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and um, it, it's one of the, and it is. It's it's preventative, and, and and so is strength training, right? Like I talked to a, a lady, and she was uh, she's a friend of mine. She's in the area, and she's well into her seventies, maybe even eighties now. And she's she she ran across the Himalayas, like she she did some serious running. And I was talking to her about running years ago and get, working up for a long run or whatever. And she goes, get in the weight room. I'm like, what, what? <laughs> like I said, I was asking her yeah. like, Hey, how should I structure my uh, running workouts or whatever? And she's like, get in the weight room. She's like, when's the race? And I told her, she's like, get in the weight room. I'm like, really? And she's like, you got to strengthen your legs to avoid injury. Right. And I think yoga similarly, yeah, sure. right. Like increasing that mobility uh, decreases your, your injury probability. Right. 
Yeah, I, I would I would absolutely agree with that. Um, I think, you know, I, I've been going through physical therapy. I just finished it up. I was I was doing physical therapy for about eight months straight, twice a week, and it was for my shoulders, for my back, for my uh, my hips, like all the like the major the major areas. And I think if I would have just done physical therapy, it would have been okay. If I would have just done yoga, it would have been okay. But together, you know, and then you add the mindfulness aspect where you're actually, you know, sending, you know, those, th- those thoughts into, into your body, which is affecting how your body's healing. It's like, that's all this amalgamation of, of, you know, healing for yourself. So I think it all plays into it, you know? Hey guys, Dale here. And I wanted to take a quick break to invite you to join the launch of the Lions Guy community called the Pride. You see, whether it was at work dealing with the demands of the day or maintaining the demands of my life at home, I always seemed to feel like my struggles were unique, like somehow I was the only one struggling to find joy amidst all the weight that I felt I was carrying each day. And you know what I've come to realize is that we all have our struggles that we're up against, and it's pretty demanding. The only way to rise to those demands is to decide and make the change to adopt a growth mindset, to be what I call a high performer. And that's why I started Lion's Guide. I want to help you break through to the next level of you and your ability to not only meet, but exceed those demands on you and in doing so, find your joy again. If you're a growth-minded individual ready to make a change, then I'm here for you. And this is how you get started. I invite you to visit lionsguide.com and sign up to join the Pride. The Pride is the Lions Guide community for growth-minded members like you. Once signed up, you'll get special access to all the free content and resources I'm putting out there. You'll also be invited to join my live online events where I host sessions on personal growth and high performance. You'll also be able to engage with other growth-minded members on our private online group. Also, if you enjoy the podcast as a member, you'll get access not only to all the podcasts, but also the podcasts that have been yet to be released. So get access to all this and more. So break out of that rut, break into your next level and join me on lionsguide.com and let's grow together. Go to lionsguide.com and become a member of the pride today. Now back to the show. So walk me through that part of it for a minute, like the the mindfulness. When you say, you know, sending the thoughts into your body, what do you mean by that? Yeah, for sure. So mindfulness, another one of those words that, that people, you know, I, I was doing a retreat down in, uh, in Destin with uh, AFSOC a little while ago. And one of the guys was telling me, he said, you know, mindfulness is kind of a buzzword now. I said, you know, I, I hadn't heard that, but it, you know, it makes sense. You know, it's kind of a, it's an easy, it's an easy enough word to throw around and be like, yeah, we just need to be mindful. Okay, cool. Well, what does that mean? Well, being mindful is, is, I mean, it's an it's an understanding of what it is you're doing and why you're doing it is is kind of why uh, it's probably an easy way to, to describe it. So, let's say for example you're you're having a tough day and you find that you don't realize you're having a tough day until you all of a sudden realize that you have been on your phone mindlessly searching social media for six out of the ten hours that you've been awake, or you've been um, just distracting yourself with I don't know X Y or Z pick something. And you've been doing that to take your mind off of the things that you need to deal with, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. I find myself doing it all the time. If I find myself scrolling too much on, on the phone at, at things that, that are you know unimportant to me at this moment, then I, I will make the conscious or the mindful decision to put my phone down and make sure that I need to, the, to focus on the task at hand with 100% of the concentration that I have to give it. Um, it can be as simple as you know, mi- mindful about the things that you eat, the things that you put into your body. 
um, how much are you drinking at night? And are you, are you just throwing bottles back or are you, are you just pouring shots or are you, if you want to have a glass of wine or you want to have a glass of whiskey, you're mindful of, you know, how much you're having, you know, when it comes to the body, you know, a lot of times we discount how much an effect that our mind can ha- can have on our healing, on our mental health, on our, um, really just our overall health as, as humans. But, you know, I had a buddy uh, who died a few years ago that, He's the one that really sold me on this. And this is before I was even into yoga and meditation and mindfulness, just the power of thought, the power of positive thought um, and, and how it can affect your healing. And so I tried it and tried it with my wife. And I felt that the more positive I was about things, the more optimistic that I was about things, even if it was forced sometimes, that it would help my recovery. Um, and with yoga, what it does is it allows you to focus and meditation allows you to be mindful of, of where you are in this moment in time. You know, they say that, that the past is is a is a made up concept and the future is a made up concept as well. And all we have is right now. And if we're not fully immersed in in right now, then we're gonna lose the time. We're gonna lose the, you know, potential, you know, health that we have to to things that we do and actions that we take that we did without thinking about it. But then when you take that that applied thought, that that positive, uh, it doesn't even have to be positive, but at least, you know, concentrated and focused. Um, thinking um, that, that you can truly transform, you know, your mind and then in turn your body. You know that what they say there was there was a study done a few years ago, and it was done on on monks that meditated uh, versus average you know the average person that doesn't meditate, and they applied you know, different stressors and they wanted to see if there was a difference in the mind of someone that had a deep meditation practice versus the stress response in a mind that didn't have a meditation practice. And what they found was that um, those who meditated actually had a different chemical response within their brains um, than those who didn't meditate and that their stress response was lower and uh, didn't last as long as those who didn't meditate. So for me, like when I started meditating and, and I started working on, you know, mindfulness and concentration, you know, that's what, that's what I needed. I needed someone to tell me those, you know, the data points, that would convince me that, you know, what this, you know, what this practice is, is actually is legit. And then the more I dove into it myself, you know, I'm proof, proof positive that it, that it, uh, that it works. You know, I never forget. I often think about this, but because this is yoga and meditation for me, I've added to my game over to, over this last year. And, and I agree, you know, it's, it, it's actually a part of, I, I will say it's a part of my workout routine. It kind of is, but it, it's definitely, integrated in my routine, just like working out. I guess that's a better way of putting it um, mm-hmm. because it, it does mm-hmm. serve. And I guess, you know, I remember back in the day, you remember we used to have health class back in like high school and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember I was in health class in like the ninth grade and, and one of the students was talking to our, our health teacher, this old guy. And he was like, you know, it was, it, it was a perfect like 13 year old question was something like like you know it, the teacher's name was mr pope it's like mr pope i don't all these animals they've got cool things like claws and big teeth and you know why we don't have any of that what why not and the teacher looked at him and he goes he points at his head and he's tapping his forehead he's like we got this and oh, yeah. he say, and he was talking you know i was talking about our brain and um and that's what you know i guess the realization is as i've gotten more into this is like your mind like meditation as an example is exercise for your mind and, and, and really controlling, you know, like you said, your, your emotions, um, your awareness, your intentions, um, exactly. you know, it, it, that those elements of our, I guess I'll say being, you know, or, you know, 
they need practice, right? Or otherwise we're just reacting to it. It's, you know, it's equivalent of like, just never, you know, doing a bench press and someone throws you on the bench, man, you're going to go out quick. You know, you're just, if if somebody's like, it's like, well, what's going to happen? You're in a dangerous situation or like, you're going to be able to control yourself or, you know, keep stress down and like, yeah, yeah. When the time comes, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. But if you've never actually practiced that, then how, how would you ever know? You know, I, I went to, um, so, so when I was when I was overseas uh, the first time, I was scared shitless. Like I was constantly scared I was going to die. I mean, I, I I never had that like oh I saw my life flash before my head before my uh, eyes, but I watched rockets fall before my eyes where I thought that was this was going to be it, and I was I was absolutely beyond scared. I mean, I still did my job, but I was I, it got to me. Um, then years later, you know, in the army when I was put in uh, similar situations. What I have found was that that same deep-seated fear that I that I had at you know 21 years old, the first time I went to war, um, was was gone. You know, it wasn't that I wasn't scared, but it was that it, it wasn't controlling me. It was more a data point. And it's like, well, this is a dangerous situation. Okay, well, what do you need to do right now? Um, and I 100% attribute that to my meditation and yoga practice for sure. Yeah, it's a built it's a tool, you know what I mean? I think it's a, it's a tool that you can call on. I mean, at my early stages of exploring it and learning it, and that's why I love this conversation because I'm 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 there. I'm at the beginnings of just trying to figure it out. Um and um so I've got a, a lot of curiosity around it. Be, man. Yeah, and but I know like um I was talking to someone before about just you know, just walking with my wife in the morning and, and um, we do, we, we get up, we get up early and by 4.30, you know, we're out doing a walk. And what I do now, I actually get up in at four and I go downstairs and I do like a 20 minute meditation and then I'll um, come up and, and her and I'll go for a walk. Well, since meditating, like I catch myself not being present with her, right? So if we're walking and my mind starts to wander now, it's it's like hey man you're not paying attention you know and and you kind of bring it back so just like when you're meditating at least what I do is like you know on the guided like it's telling you to you know uh, you know uh, focus on your breath or whatever like I literally like one day I remember when I caught myself and like focus on your breath and I kind of brought it back just like yeah. just like I had practice in my meditation and I was like hey man, cool you know so and I, and, I, and it sounds like one of those silly little woo woo things but it's I, I had a tool now, you know, just to kind of exactly. pull my pull my brain back to, like you said, the present, right? Instead of being off in the future, like the rest of my day, the the the, the stresses that that were not even there yet, right? <laughs> they were they were in this imagined future that I was living in my head. But meanwhile, I'm you know I'm wasting time, you know, intended to be you know quality time with my wife every day, you know, exactly. So and, and because when you're not conscious when you're not you know mindful about that time then you could lose it you know and then you're not you're not being present you know it's like going for a drive and then forgetting you you just missed the last 20 minutes you don't even remember driving but yeah how, how often does that happen to people today i mean yeah, i'm I mean, sure I, constantly, no, one, no one's driving anymore but yeah. you know, back when we did <laughs> yeah and you know, there's a there's a book i read it's actually like my my favorite book it's called zen mind beginner's mind and it's it's this like amalgamation of talks by by this uh, Buddhist monk, and his the idea is that you know in, in the beginner's mind there there's possibility and there's options, um, there's flexibility and adaptability, um, but in the you know the expert's mind or the someone who's got years and years of experience, 
you know, that same opportunity isn't necessarily there. They're more closed-minded to things, you know, not not as open to new ideas and new techniques and, you know, criticism and people challenging and questioning. So that's why, why being a beginner in this practice, whether it's yoga, meditation, mindfulness, even, you know, your meditation can just be taking a breath when you get up in the morning. You know, a single breath could be your meditation. You know, all these things, like being at the forefront of it, being at the beginning of it is an awesome time because, you know, you're molding your mind. And you're molding it exactly how you want to mold and you're open, you know, from a variety of different sources and whether it's, you know, people you talk to or things you read or classes you take. So I I think where you're at sounds like spot on, man. Yeah. And I think, look, you're talking a little bit about ego too, which is something else we got to get in check. I mean, like when you think you know it all and that ego is just kind of screaming, like you got it all figured out, man. You know? Yeah. Ego, I think I I spent, so I, I usually like to spend... I take a year and I say, all right, this is what I'm going to work on this year. And when I was in the army, uh, I used to take things that I would hear from my bosses, like in my my yearly evaluation. And if there was something they were saying I could work on that I agreed with, then, then I would spend, I would be very conscious of that as time went on. And if I catch myself, I try to you know correct the behavior. And it's the it's the same way. Uh, it's the same way with this. Working on putting my ego aside, you know, and Ego, a lot of times people hear the word ego, they think of it as a bad thing. You know, your, your ego is bad. Well, your ego is not necessarily bad. The ego is your sense of self. So, you know, what makes it tough is when, when people challenge your ego or challenge, you know, your sense of self and how you react to it. Well, if somebody challenges it and they say, you know, why don't you try either being more this way or try this new thing or that new thing or incorporating this into your life. Um, it can be a challenge to your ego and your view of yourself that maybe, okay, well, maybe I'm not enough the way I am, or maybe I am enough, but I could, you know, be living a more fulfilling life, or I could be kinder to people, or I could be more present with my family, my wife, my kids, for example. So all of those things, like, that all encompasses your ego. It's really just the way that you are, do you allow it to be questioned? You know, do you allow, can you put your ego to the side so you can learn and grow? That's, I tell people all the time, stepping into the yoga studio is one of the most humbling experiences that you can have as a, you know, for anybody. But, you know, when I, when I first started going or, you know, I'll talk to people all the time and they'll be in the, you know, late twenties, thirties, forties. And the first time they ever set foot in the yoga studio to do something when you're, when you're an adult and you do something for the first time and you're not good at it right away, which is, which is yoga mostly. Um, cause the, not not being not good at it, but not being familiar with it in yoga, it's humbling because you're you're surrounded by people that maybe some of them know more what they're doing than you, and you feel like a beginner, and you know makes you makes you just not feel like this big barrel chested person. But you, there's also the 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 other side of that is you're opening yourself up, you're allowing yourself to grow, you're allowing yourself to evolve and change and experience these new things, and then in the end, rather than not letting your ego be challenged, you're even stronger. Your sense of self and identity and presence is so much stronger that had you blocked it out, had you not given yourself the opportunity, you'd be three steps backwards. Sure. Yeah, it's to your detriment. Absolutely. Absolutely. But once we get past that and we say, okay, you know, it's it's okay for me to to go to yoga in a, in a room that could be primarily women. Um, it's okay where if I'm in class and I feel like I want to cry, like to, to cry, to let it out. You know, it's, it's okay to go seek professional help when I'm in a bad place mentally. You know, all these things are, they're only not okay when we let our ego get in the way of it. But we can put our ego to the side and say, you know, it doesn't make me any less of a person. 
you know, just me using tools. You know, my tool right now is my counselor or my therapist. You know, my tool right now is the gym or rock climbing or running or whatever it could be. It could be walking. Um, but once we put that ego to the side, we, you know, the world is the world is open to us and growth is open to us. And I would say people honor that. Like, like for example, like the the guy having the courage to go to a yoga class full of women for the first time with the intention to be the beginner that he is, to get the benefit of it. The women at class will actually respect that. They'll respect the courage to come out and do that. You know what I mean? So as far as the anxiety oh, you feel, it's all for naught yeah. because they they would actually, you know, honor and respect that you're coming in to, you know, do something that they obviously enjoy. And if you're doing it humbly, you know, they'll have mad respect for that. Oh, that's, I mean, that's, that's absolutely accurate. I, I don't think that I've ever walked into yoga studio that didn't feel completely, um, you know, one of a place of acceptance. You know, there's, there's no judgment in the yoga studio. That's what I love about it. You know, that's it. You can just be, you can be who you are and experience, you know, this human condition that we all, we're all going through, um, in a community, in a tribe and nobody looks at you sideways for what you're wearing or what you're practicing on or, how well you can stretch a certain way or bend your body or achieve a posture. None of that, none of that really matters. You know, it matters that you're showing up honestly and genuinely. Right. Yeah. And people respect that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So how would you recommend one get started in yoga? Um, I'd say it, it really depends on, on where you're at. For me, the easiest thing to do is just to jump into it was to just find a studio and, and start taking classes and try different teachers out and different types of classes and figure out what I liked. And even what I like now is different than what I liked, you know, five years ago, six years ago. So, so that's going to constantly evolve. Um, some people uh, feel more comfortable doing it in their house. Uh, and in that case, you know, there's, there's live classes you can take online, you know, streaming from studios you can take, there's free classes uh, from a variety of sources on our website. We actually, when I was deployed a few years ago and I needed to do some yoga and I didn't know exactly where. Um, so I wanted to provide that same uh, resource to anybody that was in the same circumstance later on. So we started producing classes. So we have classes on our website. So if if you're you know not ready to walk into a yoga studio yet, you can hop on the computer and press play on a class and do a 30-minute 30, 30 flow and, and call it good and do that a few times. Or, you know, research the, you know, basic yoga poses on YouTube and get yourself familiar with them and then go into a studio and go to a class and have, you know, a trained teacher guide you through it. And then it doesn't feel so foreign. So it's, it's really like, it's really what, you know, what your best learning style is. For me, I like blunt force trauma. So I just needed to throw myself into it. And my home practice isn't as strong as my, as my studio practice because I, I tend to not be as motivated to do it in the house, but you know, if I put my, my yoga uniform on, you know, a pair of silkies and a tank top and I drive to the studio and I'm in it. But if I try to motivate myself at the house, sometimes I'm not as successful. So, but if you're trying to get into it, um, doing it from the house is a good way to start. You know, you don't have to worry about how anyone's going to see you and you can get familiar with it at your pace. And then I recommend to everyone to go do it uh, with people somewhere in some sh way, shape or form. There's, there's, you know, an energy exchange there that's, that's unparalleled. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. The um, what kind of so when folks are out there and they're looking at different types of classes and stuff, what what are they going to see? Like, and why would they go to one type? Because I know, for example, like, and even you mentioned earlier, like the room being hot, like hot yoga versus yeah. different. Like, what what kinds are there, and and why would one like pick a different type? 
Yeah. So, so I'd say first off, if you find a, a studio that, that looks interesting to you, looks like one you'd want to try, I would say go to talk to the, go to talk to like, you know, management there, talk to the owner, talk to teachers. Um, so a lot of studios, they have a lot of different names for their classes. Um, like I'm, we're in the process of moving now and I'm looking up studios and I started looking at classes and I don't really even understand what all the classes are because every studio has like their own, their own take on, on you know certain classes so but generally though you're gonna have you know heated or unheated you're gonna have um you know vinyasa classes like i talked about a little earlier or maybe it's a yin class you know for yin yoga you'll find a lot of deep stretching long like three to five minute holds um, you'll find uh, they have hot holds classes and regular holds classes where you're not necessarily doing the whole vinyasa flow um, i recommend googling it if you're curious about vinyasa that's that's what i teach um, but then I'd say talking to talking to the studio and saying like, you know, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm interested in. You know, there's some people that have been practicing yoga for like 20 years and they don't do hot classes. They just don't like them. Um, there's some people that like me, I pretty much exclusively do hot classes. I, I was a wrestler uh, for about six, seven years and I loved cutting weight. I loved being in the wrestling room, sweating my ass off in a bunch of sweats and with the music blasting and just being absolutely physical. So that, that's how I teach my classes and that's the classes I like to go to. Um, but if you go to a studio and you just tell, you know, you tell the owner or tell a teacher there, whoever's working the desk, you know, this is what I'm, this is what I'm into looking for. I'm new to yoga. You know, maybe I want something, a, a beginner's class. If some studios have classes that are solely like beginner foundations classes, there's classes that are all levels classes. There's advanced, which is you'd find more, um, inversions, you know, like handstands and arm balances and stuff. I, I personally don't do any of that. That's, um, there's, there's essentially every, everything that you're looking for, whatever, whatever you might be looking for in both your body and your mind. Um, there's, there's most likely going to be a class for that. So start with hot versus not hot and then kind of go from there. Like, do you want kind of gentle stretching? Do you want, you know, vigorous movement and then figure out from teacher to teacher who you vibe with? Cause at the end of the day, for me, it's all about the teacher. You know, if that if I feel very in, in tune with that teacher that's that's guiding me, well, then I'll come to every class. Right. Yeah. No, and I, that's important, right? Because you're only going to have what you have available to you as well. I mean, certainly searching yeah. online, but if you're trying to go to a live experience, you got to probably limit it yeah. to what's around you. And, and I also don't want to put like bounds on it to say like you have to do it in a studio or you have to do like a, a formal home practice. Right. You know, when, when I get up in the morning, you know, I just have a set of simple stretches that I do. That's yoga. And it just takes me like five minutes. Um, I have a gratitude practice when I wake up in the morning before I touch my phone. You know, I take some breaths and I, I find three things that I'm grateful for for the day. That's all yoga. Um, so it doesn't have to be this really like formal, rigid process. Like as you go throughout your day, you can be doing yoga <laughs> as you're driving, as you're washing dishes, as you're having conversation with someone. It's you all know, different aspects. Are you using yoga in that context synonymous with the meditation aspect of it as well? Um, I, not necessarily synonymous, but that's an aspect to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So like with meditation as an example, aside from the physical aspect of yoga, you know, someone interested in get starting meditating or things like that, kind of what would you recommend? That's a good question. I, I get that one uh, quite a bit. And usually it starts with, well, I can't meditate. That's what people tell me. And I always squash that as soon as I hear that from people because everyone – Absolutely, everyone can meditate. You know, people say, "Oh, but my mind wanders too much. I can't stop thinking." And I was like, "Well, you know, that, that's natural. That's what the mind does. It thinks. Um, so you're not doing anything wrong. It's just a matter of training your mind." 
Um, so for meditation, there's there's a multitude of ways to meditate. Um, you can meditate in silence, um, just breathe. You can meditate to music. You can do guided meditations. There's a body scan meditations. You can Google John Kabat-Zinn. There's amazing body scan meditations. Um, you can do candle meditations or incense where you watch the flame or you watch the smoke. Um, you can do meditations where you count your breaths in and out. Maybe you count um, the length of your breath in and out. Um, there's there's so many different ways to do it. Um, you know, when I was at this retreat a couple a couple of weeks ago, um, I had people tell me like we've never meditated before, but we're interested in it. Can we? Can you help us? And they said, you know, I've never I've never sat down. I've never meditated for more than two minutes, five minutes, whatever. I, like I just can't do it. And I said, you know, it's not it's not about turning off your mind. You know, you're never going to stop thought. It's always going to be there. It's a matter of of recognizing it, observing it, and then setting it aside. So I went from talking about meditation and then guiding this group of people that told me they couldn't meditate uh, through 40 minutes meditation. Um, but it's possible. You just have to find what works for you. And, you know, this one thing that works one day may not be the thing that works the next day either. You know, maybe one day, you know, music may hit the spot for me, but the next day I just need somebody to guide me through with words. Yeah, I think back to what you were saying earlier, right? There's a reason it's called a practice, you know, and, and you know, you got to have the humility to kind of, to practice, you're not going to get it the right the first time. It's not going to be maybe what you think it's going to be. Just like your first class of yoga, even meditation, like it's yeah, the first time's going to be tough, but that's a part of it. it like going through it, exactly. getting breaking down those. Uh, it, it's a practice. It's back to like we said earlier. It's it's exercise for your mind. So again, it's, it's like your first time on the bench or your first run or whatever. Like yeah, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. Um, but that's that, where that's that, what makes it fun to me. Yeah. That's where that perseverance has got to come in, you know, and go, yeah, yeah, well that, that, that didn't go the way I wanted it to, but Hey, back at <laughs> it tomorrow, happen. you know, that's it. I remember I started fly fishing a few years ago and I was terrible. I couldn't tie a fly. I couldn't catch a fish, but I loved how hard it was. I loved how difficult and how you had to be, you know, perfect with your impeccable with your casting and you had to truly have patience when you were tying a fly onto this little tiny line. Like all these things that I found really, really difficult, I also loved it because they were so difficult and I could continually get better. And I knew I was never going to be an expert. I was never going to, you know, master it. And that's what keeps me interested in it. And yoga, even if I do the same postures every single day for the rest of my life, I will have a different experience just about every single day. That's what makes it interesting. Yeah, no, hundred percent. The um, so talk to me about what you're doing now. What it what is American Yogi? Uh, so American Yogi, well, we started as a t-shirt company. That was that was our idea, um, but it really didn't take long for what's what started as a t-shirt company to really become sort of a movement, a uh, community, and you know we are this international group of individuals that that want to heal, you know, that want to live life mindfully and, you know, live life in a way that, you know, that helps ourselves and helps those around us and, you know, makes this, you know, this society, these communities better places because we're doing the work to heal. So, so with this community, what are we doing? Well, we have, you know, obviously our online platforms, you know, our website and our classes and our social media where, you know, we talk a lot about just the things that everyone deals with. And, you know, here's, you know, ways to, to maybe deal with them, or here's basically sometimes even just saying you're not alone in what you're going through. Um, so we, we're going to continue to, you know, foster that community. We'll continue to produce, you know, apparel that people connect with and help them feel like part of this, this tribe. 
we, we have our first retreat actually in Guatemala in January. Um, and we're going to continue to do retreats. Uh, it's going to be like a surf wellness retreat. Really good buddy, Andy Manzi, who started Warrior Surf Foundation, uh, just moved down there and he's he's running that retreat with us. Um, hopefully some more partnerships with other you know amazing you know, veterans organizations that are out there. Um, advocacy. Uh, we'd like to maybe, you know, continue the retreat stateside. So, you know, the, 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 the idea of American Yogi is constantly evolving and that's what's really exciting for us. And what we really love about it is that, you know, we think we want to take it a certain way and then, you know, the community guides us another way and we're, we're totally open to that, but, you know, now I'll be able to focus or we'll, we're bringing the team together down in Florida now that you all know, be out so I can have uh, you know, greater hand in it um, is just all hands on deck towards, you know, growing this brand as, as big and, and widespread as we can and helping other people find themselves. Yeah, no, I, I think it's totally awesome. And, and I, I love the part that you hit on, like the, you're not alone. Um, Cause I think in that regard, you know, we're, we're two soldiers in the good fight, right? Like I think a lot of people are dealing with a lot of like, uh, mental, social anxiety needlessly because they think it's just them. You know, they think yeah. like, oh, my problems are unique to me. No one else, everyone else has got it all figured out. What's wrong with me? But man, it's, it's so not true. <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah. uh, and, and that's what I enjoy kind of saying, nah, man, we all have it. It's something we all, we're all dealing with something, you know, and yeah, we, we just want to be seen, right. You know, we just want to be somebody seeing you and acknowledging you and the things that you're going through. Like, it's validating, you know, it makes you feel like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm all right because, because I'm not alone here. Like homie gets it. And if he gets it, that means that he gets me. And if I'm gotten, somebody gets me, I'm, I'm not alone in this fight. I have somebody I can reach out to. And that alone is that's comfort, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and it's reassuring for those that hear it and it's a relief, you know, um, to kind of know that, that, like you said, you're not alone, you know, and finding other people that you can relate to or have been there or whatever, um, is, is a godsend, you know, to a degree, it's a big yeah. relief, you know? And we, we try, we try not to be, you know, preachy about it. You know, I, I run our social media, um, you know, when it comes down to, you know, the things that, that we put out there, you know, the social sphere is, we don't want to be preachy. You know, we don't want to say, well, you need to think this way. You need to feel this way. You need to be this way. It's, Hey, these are, these are things that, that we all deal with. You know, here's, here's a way, you know, here's, here's something that, that we've dealt, that we've dealt with and it's okay if you're dealing with it too. Yeah. That's, that's the, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty essential too, right? Like we all have to find our formula, right? Like what works for us. And because as much as you want to, believe all these, you know, I got the six steps and all that crap. Like yeah. at the end of the day, they're just frameworks and, and, and I don't even want to trash them. You know, I want to learn from them. No, not at all. But at the same time, like I got to learn from them as I engineer and architect my own, like, like what of all these things I learn or see or work for other people, what, how does my formula look? Right. Because- uh, no, I, I think that's, I think that's really important. Um, Kind of the way the way you, you phrase that because because you're right so yeah I guess I should have prefaced it it's it's not that that's bad that's just how I have found uh, or how we've really found to be able to connect with the community yeah is is through you know it's through experience rather rather than you know think this way or or you know try this technique or uh, I don't know if I'm if I'm you know characterizing it very well but i I think we're on the same page yeah yeah everyone as long as you're connecting genuinely 
with the world, then you're, you're doing fine in whatever way is genuine to you. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess to the point to cut maybe round, you know, round it out here is like, you know, I tell people like, look, I can, I can give you advice. I can tell you what works for me, you know, and I can tell you some things I've seen work. I'm not saying it's going to work for you though. You've got to take that and do what you can with it and and go from there. I mean, uh, what worked for me might not work for you, you know, um, you know, just so exactly. just someone giving you all the answers, right. I think that the, the true fulfillment and the true answer is going to be found within, you know, and, and yeah, have, have a awareness and open your mind up to these other options or possibilities, perspectives, et cetera, but take them in and, and mold them into your own and, um, and let them serve you find, find what serves you. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. Brother. Exactly. With, uh, with regard to one thing I want to hit on before we wrap up here is the, you know, the, what would you tell the men out there, right? You're, you're, you're a hardened army retiree at this point, right? Like the, mm-hmm. the stigma to not do yoga as a man, like what's, what's your answer to the guys out there? I'm like, man, I'm not, that's not for me. It's, a, you know, it's, it's girly. It's this, it's that like, what, what's, what's the, what's the checkpoint to kind of let these guys know? I mean, the, the way I look at it, you know, at the end of the day, like I'm never going to be able to force someone into the yoga studio, I'm, nor would I ever want to. Um, if you're not ready to, to hop in, then, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to have a good time. You know, I've, I've seen, or I've heard of, of people trying to drag their significant other in and they get them in the studio, even though they didn't want to go and they say it was okay, whatever. They don't try it again. So you, you have to be ready for it. And, and really it's what it comes down to is, you know, what are you willing to live with? You know, are you, are you willing to live, um, with really bad, you know, anxiety, depression, physical pain that could be relieved a little bit, maybe a lot bit if you try yoga, like, is it, is it worth it to you to take that risk? And because it is a risk, you know, you're, you're putting, you're putting yourself not a, not a physical risk, but you're putting yourself in you know, a risk, you know, emotionally, cause you're, you could be opening up some stuff that you may not be ready for. Um, but just like I, just like I always say that it's not just the yoga, it's also the counseling and the physical therapy and you know, the, how you eat and sleep and all you know, the whole picture. But if, if you are at a place where, you know, you, your body and your mind need it and you really have nothing to lose because all that your mental health deserves is everything that you have to give it. Because in the end, like that's, that's who you are. Yeah, no, I love it. And, and that's it, right? Like we talked about earlier, it's just another tool that you could add to your tool belt, you know, if it, 100%. If it fits for you. So and if, if you never do yoga, perfectly fine. But maybe if you take a step towards, you know, digging inside change your life. Yeah. hundred percent. That's amazing. So, um, with regard to that, how can people find you online and, and, and look up you and, uh, and or American Yogi? Yeah. So, uh, probably the biggest presence is on Instagram right now, uh, at live L I V E American Yogi. Uh, we're also on, uh, on Facebook. Um, and then we are a website at live American Uh, those are the easiest ways to, to reach out. We have a newsletter on the website. You have to see, uh, whenever we have, you know, whether it's a retreat coming or, you know, we sell mats that that uh, that are made in India. Those things sell out in like an hour, so people get onto our newsletter so they can see when things like that are releasing. Otherwise, um, quickest way, just drop me a line on Instagram, uh, Live American Yogi, and I'm more than happy to answer you know whatever follow on questions people might have about yoga. Yeah, man, yeah. it's awesome, and and this is exactly what I wanted to go through. It's like you know, it's a it's a real thing. It's a tool. It's it's acceptable. No need to you know not check your ego on it and check it out man so i i appreciate and honor you for coming on and sharing your story and experience and 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 as always it'll it'll serve someone out there that that this might help them out a lot 
No, thank you, brothers. It's it was an absolute honor to to have the talk with you and to be able to to have a a voice in the community. And you know, if if one person is saved or changed or affected by this, and I think we did all right. Yeah, hundred percent, man. All right. Well, hey, Phil Sussman, check him out at Live American Yogi on all the socials and online. And Phil, man, thanks again. Thank you.